Good morning. I hope you're doing well. I should also say good night because I have learned that there are a lot of people who are partaking of these podcasts in the evening before they go to bed. I've even been told they're very helpful because they're so calm in helping people fall asleep. (laughs) That is not an insult to me. I am very happy to talk about God and you go peacefully to sleep. My name is Danae Richardson and I thank you for joining me in this sacred ritual of being purposeful about connecting with God through thoughts from the Bible. I am brought to you by the promise of God in Ezekiel 17, and I thank God for his purpose and healing in my life. Please download my app for more resources for your spiritual journey at wordsongapp.com. So our last episode was, it it occurred probably two years after what we're about to read right now. So we have been following the people who make up the nativity um, chronologically. So we started with the angel visiting Mary and then the angel with Joseph and then the angels and then the travel to Bethlehem and then the angels visiting the shepherds and then the wise men coming and we know the wise men it took some time for them to get to Jesus you can listen to that podcast to know what the Bible says about their travel but we assume Jesus was probably about two years old when the wise men found him because Herod in his plan to kill any child that could have possibly been a threat to his throne he chose two years and under and so Christ could have been anywhere from a few months old to uh or I should say a few weeks old, to two years old. But go back and listen to those podcasts to know that story. So today, we're going to go back to when Jesus was a newborn. Luke chapter 2, we're going to study through 21 through 39. Verse 21, And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child... His name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel. So Jewish boys are circumcised at eight days. This is instruction. Uh, it's, It's in the law of Moses, but Abraham was the first to do it. It actually preceded the law of Moses. Um. But that's a podcast for another day. It is interesting that eight days was the day for circumcision. I'm not positive 
what kind of scientific research they had back then. I do not believe it understood uh, what I learned when I was pregnant, which is my first pregnancy was 25 years ago. (laughs) So it's been a long time. But I was told that vitamin K is the highest in a baby on the eighth day. And vitamin K helps the blood clot. I I hope I'm remembering this right. Uh, some medical professional is going to explain it better, I'm sure. But uh, it's interesting that on the eighth day, when vitamin K is the highest in the human body, naturally, that that is the day that a boy was to be circumcised. Um, and by the way, my midwives were not promoting circumcision at all. I happen to be in a circle of people who didn't were not okay with circumcision, but that's not what my podcast is about. It's just interesting. Verse 22, and when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him, Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Um, at my church, when a baby is born, uh, we have what we call a baby dedication. And um, because we don't find infant baptism in scripture, um, the church that I go to and myself, that's why I go to that church, um, we we are very biblically based and um, we are cautious about what we engage in if it's not found in scripture. And so um, we do not baptize our babies. But uh, we have a dedication service, and this is very much what these, what Mary and Joseph were doing. Verse 23, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. So this is a first fruit concept. Um, the scripture says in Deuteronomy 26, 2, take the first of all the fruit of the earth, which you bring from the land that the Lord, your God gave you, the Lord gave you the land. So the first fruit that it produces, put it in a basket and go into the place which the Lord shall choose to place his name there. And so this is seen actually all the way back with Cain and Abel. Um, Cain killed Abel because the Lord received Abel's sacrifice and not Cain's. And Abel brought of the first of the fruit of the ground. Abel did this from the very beginning and God liked it. And this concept is seen all the way through scripture. First fruit is very important to God and it should be a part of our lifestyle. Our first response, first should always be toward God. First prayer. Um, for me, when I've been in emergency situations, I'm dialing 911 and simultaneously calling on God. My first response is to call on God even while I am dialing 911. (laughs) Um, And that's just 
the way I was raised. So that's a habit. First prayer, first worship, first um, increase of mine goes to God. First fruit is important to God and it goes to God. And even uh, every male that openeth the womb, in other words, the first son born is set aside uh, for the work of the Lord. Verse 24, and to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. So they brought this, this, uh, these birds to be sacrificed. And I want to point out that being holy, being chosen, you know, Jesus Christ was holy because he was the son of God. He was holy. He was perfect. He was holy. And he makes us holy. We in and of ourselves are not holy, but Jesus was holy. Mary and Joseph were chosen. So being holy and chosen and and perfect purposeful about that chosen being a chosen vessel it did not exempt them from following the law and in our season of living for god we've got to remember jesus said I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. And Jesus went on to explain, the law says, thou shalt not kill. But then Jesus said, but I say to you, don't even hate. And Jesus said, the law says, don't commit adultery. Jesus said, but I say to you, if you are secretly in your heart lusting, You've committed adultery. It's the same as adultery. So when when Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it, he, he really meant that. And he was stressing that our attitude toward a lifestyle of separation from the world and uh, separation from the world and to God w- included how we feel and think. It wasn't just the physical things. Oh, my doggies are barking. They're going to get on the podcast today. The fact that we live in a, um, a, a theological word is dispensation. It means a, a certain time period. The fact that we live in a era of grace does not eliminate law. It's true that, that in the New Testament, there was a discussion about which of the law would be required of the non-Jewish Christians. You find that in the epistles that... Uh, you find where they had to have discussions in Acts about what are we going to require that these these people who are becoming followers of Christ, they are 
are, are we going to require they live everything about Moses' law? And there was a discussion among them. They actually had a council that's it's in scripture where they discussed this is what people who were not raised following Moses' law still need to follow and conduct themselves as. And then Paul further went and wrote other details in the epistles. The epistles are full of law. And what I mean by law is not Moses' law, but instructions that involve our daily disciplines and lifestyle. The intention of Jesus and then the the disciples who continued on Christ's work was to bring grace into the mix of the law, not to live a lawless life. If I go into this season, I went to somebody's house for a, a party. And when I walked in, as soon as I opened the door, I noticed two things. I noticed that the host who opened the door was not wearing shoes and there were a few shoes uh, sitting at the front door. And I looked up and I saw that there were some other people in the house wearing their shoes. Now, that host was extending grace to all of the people who were wearing shoes. But that didn't doesn't mean that that's the host's preference. The host was demonstrating his preference by not wearing shoes. And the fact that there were other shoes at the door meant that this was a home whose host's preference was to not wear shoes. I took my shoes off. This is, this is, but it didn't mean that the other people who didn't take their shoes off, that they weren't allowed to have the goodness that was in the house, the spread at the table. Oh, Marco has joined us. Hi, Bubby. It didn't mean they weren't allowed to have the spread at the table. It just meant that he was being gracious to them. And this applies with with our Christian walk. The intention of Jesus was to bring grace into the mix of the law, not live a lawless life, not act like nothing matters. Stuff does matter. And for me personally, since I see in scripture, Peter, quote unquote, pastoring the Jewish people in Jerusalem and setting standards for their daily living, giving them guidance and then I see Paul pastoring non-Jews and, and, he, and getting them up to speed on the fact that God actually does have likes and dislikes about our daily living. Then I am content letting my spiritual overseer, my pastor, be spiritual and discerning and a studier of the word and teaching what he feels is protecting for our congregation. Each local congregation is is a is like a family. The, the church is one worldwide church, but each congregation is led a little differently based on what the pastor sees as a part of uh, 
the burden God's placed on him, the vision and dream he has for seeing a harvest and growth in that city. And we know from the book of Daniel that when Daniel was waiting on an answer from God, when he got the answer, the angel who brought the answer said, I was, uh, I was in a, a, a battle with the prince and power of the heir of Persia, which lets us know that each uh, location has a spiritual dominion. And those differences of spiritual dominion cause a pastor of each congregation to be very sensitive to that spirit. And therefore, it's completely appropriate that there be some instruction that varies. Well, I didn't mean to get into all of that. <laughs> but that is that is what I find in scripture. And as long as my pastor is using the Bible as his guide, I will absolutely get in sync with his voice and with my local church family so that we can operate with a single vision. And further, I have a warning that it, that you are crippling yourself in your success if you do not understand how to fulfill the law and if you're not in sync with the singleness with a singleness of mind with your church family figure out how to do that figure out how to get in the middle of them and be in sync with them let me move on so let me let me move on back to where I meant to be. So in verse 25 we find such a it's a, an obscure story in Jesus childhood. This is when he was a newborn. Verse 25 Behold there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. So this man was not a priest. He's just a devout man. Verse 26, And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And so this man had been told by the Holy Spirit, that he was not going to die until he had seen the Messiah. So verse 27, and he came by the Spirit into the temple. This man woke up on this day and the Spirit of the Lord just drove him into the temple. And when the parents, talking about Mary and Joseph, brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, Verse 28, then he, Simeon, took him, Jesus, up in his arms and blessed God. Let me, let me pause reading. The fulfillment of this is just so beautiful. I just love this story so much. This devout man had 
been faithful to God and waiting for the Messiah. And because this man was just through the years, faithfully, no matter what was happening politically, and there was a lot happening politically, if you just look at, if you study Roman history, there was a lot happening politically. Um, He just stayed faithful to seeking the Messiah. And then the family was just faithfully following the law. And the combination of these two faithfulnesses <laughs> fulfilled God's promise. Oh, I'm going to talk about that more in a minute. So Simeon takes baby Jesus in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen thy salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother, talking about Mary, marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Oh, what a, what an awesome day this was for these two parents. They're just following the will of God. And wow, here they are in the middle of a supernatural event. It's just amazing. And then... We move on, and Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. So Simeon, in this situation where everyone is following the will of God, oh, it's so empowering to live a life where you're surrounded by people who no matter what's going on in the world around them they are spending their energies pursuing the will of God oh the goodness that comes from it so Simeon begins to prophesy and let Mary know what to expect this this child is set for the fall and rise again of many So I'm going to come back to verse 35. I'm actually going to end with verse 35. And so while we're going to read verse 36, while um, Simeon is holding this baby, these two parents are standing there. You know, I I imagine that this is an emotional situation where Simeon is an elderly man and and he's realizing who he's holding and Mary and Joseph are hearing this information and experiencing this man's enraptured moment. Verse 36, and there was one Anna, a a prophetess. She was of a great age. In fact, verse 37 lets us know that she was 84 years old. And Uh, the King James Version describes it this way, had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. So when she was a young woman, she got married. She was married for seven years and um, he died. 
And from that point on, verse 37, she was a widow, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. When this woman's husband died, she was a young woman and she gave the rest of her life and energy to whatever, whatever was needed and happening at and about the temple. That's just where she chose to spend her time and energy. And right as Simeon is having this moment holding eight-day-old baby Jesus, or, or after Mary's purification, however long that was, but newborn baby Jesus, she comes by in that instant, gave thanks likewise unto the Lord, and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Because she was a woman who was always at the temple. She was aware of the people who were always looking for redemption. And so she just started telling them about this experience that she had with Simeon and Jesus and Mary and Joseph. I just love that so much. Verse 39, when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord. Law of the Lord. I love that phrasing because you had Mary and Joseph fulfilling the law of Moses, but Simeon and Anna were just fulfilling what was in their spirit, but it was all the law of the Lord. God's purpose is the law for your life and my life. And and what God has called me to may cause me to live by a law that's a little bit different from you. And I'm not talking about living outside what scripture designates. I'm I'm really talking about that sometimes people live live a stricter lifestyle than all of the other Christians around them. It doesn't make them better. <laughs> my my pastor says, we're not better. We're just better off. It's not even about being better off what I'm talking about, though. I'm talking about sometimes what God is calling you to, the purpose of it is so important that the law of the Lord, the law of this purpose requires that you live a little differently, have have a little bit more restraint on your life. Let me give you some instances. A man whose ministry I admire, Brother Lee Stone King, he was talking about a movie. He was hearing other people, friends of his, watch, and they were talking about how good the movie was. I do not remember what movie it was, but he wanted to watch the movie. And when he went to watch it, he felt a check in his spirit. He felt like the Lord did not want him to watch that movie. And he, he just felt like that was ridiculous because he does not associate with people who would do bad things. (laughs) And he felt the Lord say, others may, you may not. And if you know of Brother Lee Stone King's ministry, you know that he's got a very unique ministry. He's not called 
to be or do what everybody else is called to do. And I've had instances where I was ministering in uh, poverty areas and I'm not a super wealthy person, but I have found that the poorest among us in the United States are often wealthier than those in poverty in other countries. And so I've been in situations where I did not wear my nice clothes, not because I didn't want them dirty, or but because I, I needed to restrict myself from dressing how I usually dress or what I usually do so that I could relate to the people and and be show a kindness to them that wasn't uh haughty and arrogant. I didn't need to walk in showing off my nice things. I need to I needed to walk in being in sync with them. And so that's what I mean about the law of the Lord. You you need to recognize that sometimes God will call you to something that he's not calling everybody to. And just because you're called to it doesn't mean you need to get on social media and require everybody do it. You need to be in sync with the Spirit of God. You need to be in sync with your local assembly. And you need to have a multitude of counsel that includes your personal uh, local pastor, which is your spiritual oversight. Just know, just know that your faithfulness to, quote, performing all things according to the law, that's, that's what it says. They performed all things according to the law of the Lord. Your faithfulness to performing all things according to the law is more impacting than you realize. These, these two elders in the scripture, Simeon and Anna, they were faithful in spite They were faithful in spite of the difficulties of aging, the the politics and wars that were going on around them. And because of their faithfulness, they were able to affirm some big things going on in Mary and Joseph's life. Mary and Joseph didn't fully understand. And because they were faithful for decades, before they ever laid eyes on Mary or Joseph, because they were faithful, they were able to be a voice of direction and insight in Mary and Joseph's life. And and also, because Mary and Joseph were faithful to the things they were brought up doing, because this young family was faithful in spite of the difficulties of getting out and about with a newborn, they were able to fulfill the promise of God in these elders' lives. So I say to all of us, let us be faithful to those things that we should be doing that may be hard, I will tell you also, be faithful to the house of God. There are 
There are so many wonderful things that happen at church. There are so many wonderful things that happen at church. If if you're listening to this and you feel jaded about church, you feel hurt, you know, church hurt is a very real thing, but guess what? So is club hurt, so is work hurt, and you still go to the club and you still go to work. Although I'm not sure you should still be going to the club. Uh, matter of fact, no, you should not still be going to the club. <laughs> Let me tell you that. Don't don't keep going to the club. You're just going to set up yourself for a trap there. But you go to work. You neighbor hurt is real, but you you still live in your neighborhood. Be faithful to the house of God. I find that to be a bare minimum a foundational aspect of fulfilling God's plan and purpose in my life. It's a foundational aspect of fulfilling God's plan and purpose. And as a pastor's daughter, I'm going to say something hard right now. If you can't trust your pastor as your spiritual overseer, either something is wrong in your spirit or their spirit If it's you, get it right, fast, pray, serve, stay, get counsel, get it right. Don't live with resentment and bitterness. Don't do that. Have a conversation. Be loving. Approach them like you would approach a father in a respectful manner. And let them know what pains you have. And if it's them, then then perhaps you're not, not perhaps, I'm just going to say something hard. If, if that pastor is inappropriate, is abusive, leave. God's word gives us checks and balances for everyone to feel safe with their spiritual overseer. But let me say this too. If you're on your third or fourth church family because you keep finding fault everywhere you go, the common denominator is you. Get yourself in check. Get in a church, a church family, stay planted, grow roots, be involved, contribute. Let the church be what the church is supposed to be. Okay, let's go back to Simeon's conversation with Mary. Verse 34, Simeon prophesies to Mary and says, This child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel and for a sign which shall be spoken against, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Now, there's a phrase that happens before that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And it is a parenthesis that says, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also. This parenthesis is important and relevant for us. It is often 
this is this is Simeon talking about the crucifixion. He was letting Mary know there's going to come a day that's going to be so terribly painful. It's going to feel like a sword piercing through to your own soul. And then he goes on to say that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. It is often that our own suffering, through our suffering, God reveals the hearts of those around us. Let me explain that a little bit more. Mary's willingness to trust God through that unfair, painful process of crucifixion, her faithfulness to God through that process, it helped people see their own hearts, even to this day, that Mary was faithful through all those years of questioning. Her faithfulness helps us even today. It reveals to us our own hearts. Are we faithful? Are we living in the purpose of God or in our own purpose? You know, the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all. Who can know it? And the scripture says, every man does what is right in his own eyes. We all can justify ourselves and listen to my podcast about Herod. But everybody does this. And we need a day of reckoning to reveal the thoughts of our deceitful hearts. The heart is deceitful. And I'm so grateful to those who have allowed the piercing of their own soul to help me realize the condition of my heart, their behavior through difficult things, through hard things, their behavior and faithfulness in spite of the difficult things, it saved me. It, it brought me back to my senses. It, it showed me my own heart's condition and got me back on track. And, and so when I go through things now that I feel to me it's painful and it's cutting me to my soul, I've tried to remember how these other people's faithfulness has helped me. And then I choose to endure it like a birth pain and and just pray my way through that pain in hopes that it helps others become what they need to be. The lesson of this final Christmas series episode is do hard things. Be faithful. Live by the laws of God. And if you feel a sword is right now piercing through to your soul, I'm sorry, but I am asking you, be faithful anyway. Do not forget what the enemy meant for evil. God is going to turn it for good. God bless you.